Good morning. I, I, don't, I don't probably tell you often enough that I love you, and I, I'm thankful for you. Um, a lot of times when I'll say that, I try to define it by saying I, I love you because I, 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 I show that by bringing God's Word to you every week and maybe some other different ways. But, but uh, this week I say I love you for pretty shallow, immature reasons. I love you because you guys um, blessed us so much with the, the gifts um, for pastor appreciation last week. And so it, uh, it, I could honestly say it's probably one of the highlights of, of the year for my wife and I to, to, to get away after Sunday service when we get a basket full of, of just cards um, that you guys share your hearts um, with us. And, uh, and we get to read through those. And, and so I wish I could say, and, and I'm working on saying individually to all of you, but I want to say it public. Just thank you for your, your love and your appreciation for us. Um, and uh, you, you, make, you make our time here a real joy. I feel giddy about that. So thank you very much. Um, also, also uh, thank you for the harvest party. Uh, this last week, uh, the harvest party went on. A lot of you were here. There was a lot of people from, from town, people I'd never seen before. And I just, I, I had one dad that I'd never met before saying that he just doesn't feel good about letting his kids run through the neighborhood. And he heard about this church that had something going on. And he said, I wanted to be able to come where I could just let my kids run free and be safe. And uh, I said, I don't know if that's actually going to happen here, but <laughs> it's probably better than through the streets. No, it was, it was a great time. Um, I think the, some of the greatest props go to Annette Adams for putting so much energy into that. So let's give Annette a hand, please. It was awesome, Annette. Thanks for doing that. And then also our, our bounce house bouncer was Brian, Will, or Brian Walker. So... Um, that, I'm sure his head was bouncing all week long because he had to watch kids. So thanks for doing that, Brian. Two hours, yeah, two hours. So anyway, so we're going to do something a little different, actually, um, than we've ever done before in this series. This is week 37 of our, of our series through the Gospel of Mark. And up until today, we've walked through verse by verse from chapter 1, verse 1, up to chapter 12, verse, or chapter 10, verse 12, which was last week. It's taken us 37 weeks so far. I feel like we're, we're, we're moving too fast, but I don't, you guys don't share that same sentiment. But, but um, today, for the first time, we're going we're gonna to break from that, that rhythm, and we're going to jump ahead to verse 29. And, and we're doing that because about a month ago, the missions team um, came to me, and they said, you know, there is the International uh, Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church coming up on November 5th. And, and we really feel as as the, the missions committee of this church, and, and our mission committee is so awesome. They do such a great job of, of keeping not only our missionaries in front of us and uh, making sure that our missionaries that are out in lonely places around the world that they feel like we're a part of their lives. Our missions team does that, but they also help keep in front of us what's going on around the world. And, and so they came and said, well, we'd like um, to, to have um, some time in the service to focus on the persecuted church. And so uh, I just thought it was very ver- worthy to talk about persecution from the Gospel of Mark, but it happened to be a, a, week, a week out. So we'll come back to verse 13 next week. Don't worry about that. We're going to jump to verse 29 this week. And I, I want to I ask a question of all of us, and, and it's this. Have you ever been before verbally attacked uh, have you ever been in a situation where you thought someone was to be your friend, but when you brought a word of maybe encouragement or maybe it was a word of correction to them, they, they turned on you pretty quick and they came after you and, and um, came at you kind of viciously? Uh, 
I want you to think about that just a little bit because as we, as we talk about persecution this morning, what we need to understand is, uh, as it says in, in Timothy, in Timothy 3.12, it says, all who desire, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will, will suffer persecution. And I, I don't know, I think I just kind of hope for, for, for most of us, I know it's not all of us, but for most of us in here, that would represent us, that we do desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And, and if that is the case, then what we need to understand is we'll suffer persecution. Um, in, in light of that, persecution can take on a number of different forms. We'll look at some of those forms, both what happens locally here and globally. But let's now jump to our text in Mark, Mark 29, 10:29. It says this, So Jesus answered and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, land, for my sake and the gospel's sake, who shall not receive a hundredfold, now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters, houses, brothers and sisters, and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, as well as in this age and to the age which is to come eternal life. Eternal life. Now, I want to look at a few things here. Verse 29, it starts off and it says, it says so Jesus answers, assuredly. When, whenever, whenever we see that word assuredly, uh, we, we know that's like we can take it to the bank. Jesus is saying, pay attention. You can take this to the bank. So Jesus answered them and said, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wife, children, lands, for my sake and for the gospel's sake. Um, what he's saying here is that anyone who sacrifices uh, for the purpose of following Jesus in their life, anyone who sacrifices, not only will they re- reap the eternal rewards of that, they're also going to reap a hundredfold tangible rewards in in this life as well. That's kind of what he's, he's saying there. Um, and I, I think that's a really powerful and hopefully to all of us an encouraging and a comforting statement as we think about our christian faith we think you know in many cases like a few weeks ago we had that fun sermon where jesus talked about plucking out an eye and cutting off a a hand and a foot remember that Uh, so so we have those situations where in order to follow christ with with entire entire fidelity it, it requires us to make some sacrifices in our life we can t- sometimes think those sacrifices are, are, are tough or not fun, but, but here Jesus says, when that happens, just know it'll be returned to you a hundredfold. And that's exciting. Hopefully it's encouraging. But there's those two words that are kind of just stuck right there at the end of verse 30. It says, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's lands with persecution. Those are those two words, with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. So those two words, they're a little harder to swallow than the rest. So even though we receive, we receive a hundredfold of, of the sacrifice in which we give, there's still, for all of those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, there will be persecution. There will be suffering. I saw this for the first time, um, for the first time that I can remember. And I think it was the first time in my life, really, when I was in the ninth grade. And in the ninth grade, I had, a lot of stories start with a girl. I had a girlfriend. 
And in this in this particular case, um, me and the scow, we we dated for over a year. That was a long time in ninth grade, you know, to have a girlfriend for a year. And and we were kind of in the yearbook that year. We were couple of the year, and she was the cheerleader, and I was the the, the sports guy. And you know, we we just had life was great. That's what it's all about, right? This is before social media and stuff, so I don't have all of the the postings of that. But anyway, it was it was great. Uh, and, and so somewhere somewhere towards well the end of that year or so, there was these guys that started kind of showing up at my basketball games. Um, some guys that I kind of recognized from Sunday mornings at church, but I didn't know them, and they were like upperclassmen. I'm a ninth grader, you know, and these guys are, these guys are sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and they're showing up, and they're just kind of hanging out. And then they started to kind of show this interest in me a little bit and uh, asked me to come hang out with them. And I, I remember going, uh, at the time, you could get uh, 20 Burgerville hamburgers for 20 bucks, and we would buy... 20 or 40 hamburgers, and we would just go out and, and eat these between like three guys. And, and uh, uh, it, it, was, it was a good time. And, and I, I, I remember starting to see these guys in a, in a different light. Like, I really like these guys, but there's just something different about them. Uh, they, they had something that I had not yet in my life seen. It was a lot different than the guys that were on my, my, my sports teams and, and the guys that I hung out with after school. Uh, these guys had some conviction in their life. And as I watched, I saw that what was different about them was that they loved Jesus. And they showed that by spending time with this, this at the time, dorky freshman. And, and I, I, you know, in hindsight, I know that the youth pastor at the time said, you know what, you guys upperclassmen, you think you're all that, but really you want to you wanna be something, you, you know, you go out and you reach out to those that are younger. And I'll tell you, I'm so glad they did because I probably wouldn't be here today if they didn't. But, but here's the point. They, they started to pour into my life, and, and uh, I wasn't right, quite sure at that time if, if uh, this whole Christian thing was, was for me. And I remember, I remember just wrestling with these two worlds, and and I've got this this sweet girl that that I loved here, and um, this this draw towards a, a committed Christian faith, and and I know at least the way that relationship was at that time, those two things did not fit together, they didn't fit together. This was not a, 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 even though I couldn't put the words to it, I know this relationship wasn't honoring to to what I, I'm guessing this thing about being a Christian is all about. So what do I do? Well, I try to get her to come along with me. You know, I started inviting her in, 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 into this stuff, and she, you know, because I'm me, and she, of course, wanted to be my girlfriend, right? She, she comes along to youth group and stuff um, for, for a short while, and then she realized, yeah, it's just not for her. And, and so at that, at that stage in time, um, I remember this this heartache. I remember tears realizing, I got to break this off. And uh, I remember just not wanting to do it, but in, in knowing that, you know, this is the way this is going. This just isn't, this isn't a, a, a good relationship for a lot of different reasons, physical reasons, emotional reasons, spiritual reasons. It just wasn't good. It wasn't healthy. And, and I really was the Holy Spirit in the time. I didn't know that at the time, but it was drawing me in a different direction. And so I, I realized I had to break it off and like a mature young man, I didn't want to ruin her Christmas, so I waited till um, the day after Christmas and went over and went in. And I, I remember, you know, sorry, I'm breaking up with you because you're not a Christian. I got out and I ran and drove away. I cried like a little baby because I didn't want to do that, but but um, I realized it was it was important. And I remember doing that and feeling very um, like this load came off of my shoulders, even though I was terrified because you know that had been my identity for a while. 
and and uh, and so that was all all fine and good until the Christmas break got done, and I came to school, and all of a sudden people were looking at me a lot differently, not talking to me, and then um, someone came to me and said, "Did you hear what so and so said about you?" And I said, "No." Oh, they just a whole bunch of lies, like total lies, were being spread around, and and this was tough. I mean, this is again, this is before social media, so. Um, it was one of those situations where you kind of heard about this stuff, and it was really difficult. And I remember for, for like two years, two years, I was an outcast, and I kind of still was um, after that point in time. And, and that, was a, that was a tough deal. That was a tough deal in my life. Um, it was a time where persecution kind of set in for the first time, and I realized, oh, this is, this is hard stuff. Now, I, I didn't know that this passage was there at the time, and, and, uh, and yeah, that was the first time I really experienced persecution and I can say that uh, I'm so thankful for that for for a couple a couple key reasons and and one of the reasons why today I can say I was thankful for that then was because when we face persecution we have to understand that when 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 people start saying things about us or doing things towards us um, it's it's not really because of anything we've done what's happening is they're responding to they're responding to the Holy Spirit um, bringing what would be called conviction into their own life, and and God's using God's using in that case us to to do that, and, and it creates this space. And when that conviction starts to set in, what's awesome about that is that's the precursor to salvation. That's the precursor to coming to know Christ, um, and, and a person having the opportunity to to turn their life over to Jesus. Now. I bring all this up. This is this is going. So I bring this all up because um, as we move forward as individual Christians here in this room, as well as as we we move forward uh, in our faith as a church collectively, there's a few things that I fully expect to experience, or I fully expect to see take place. And, and, and here, here are a few of these things. Number one, I fully expect um, to, to experience an increase in the presence and the awareness of the Holy Spirit in your life as well as in the life of our church. And, and the reason why uh, is because I'm already experiencing it. I'm already getting an opportunity to, to bear witness to that in your life. I hear about how so many of you are taking the, the truth of the gospel into your world um, to reach out to other people that are lost, that are hurting, that are broken. Um, I, I hear about um, when, when, when someone, there's needs that come up, people just step across the line and just meet those needs. I see people responding. It's like, it's like a muscle. When you work a muscle out, that muscle strengthens and it grows. And I, and I see and I experience in your lives, many of you uh, taking your, your walk with Jesus so, so seriously. Like it is everything. It's, you're not a Sunday Christian. You don't show up on, on Sunday, but it's every part of your, your, your life. You think about it as you have conversations with people. Your, your conversations are, are tempered by not, not, what, what you think anymore, but they're tempered by uh, what you know to be true about Jesus. And they're tempered by a listening to the still small voice uh, of God in you. And they're tempered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's different in the way that money is spent. All of the, there, There's a difference, and I'm seeing it. And I'm being told that by many of you. And it's, it's really exciting. I love to, to hear when new people come, even like what, what Lynn shared last week when Lynn came forward, not to not to point you out, Lynn, but Lynn came forward. She said, you know, I've been here, and I've really, um, we really felt loved and accepted by this church and felt in, invited right into the family. Those are things that are just 
exciting. And I know if that's happening now, I fully expect it to continue because it doesn't happen by a work of our own. It happens by the Holy Spirit at work in you. And it's being driven by those of you who are committed to prayer, praying for those that would be would be part of our mission here at this church. And so that's encouraging. Now, I say all that exciting stuff because it also leads me to, to know this. There's also going to be an increased presence and awareness of persecution. Because anytime we step out as a church and we, we, we fully embrace the mission and the call and the, and the expression of the gospel, there's a few things that happens. Opposition happens. Persecution happens. Because we don't fight um, a fight that is a, a flesh and battle fight. We fight a, bite, a fight that is that is spiritual. And there are spiritual forces at work. And I think the more and more we as individuals and the more and more as we as a church say we are, we're serious about our faith. We're serious about our call to walk with Jesus. We're serious about taking the gospel to uh, Shalachi and to Amboy and to Yakult and all of this North County. We're serious about that. There's going to be opposition, persecution that would come, and it comes in all kinds of different forms. Thankfully for us, really, it comes in the form of most often just rejection or maybe lies or, or slander or things like that, um, and not some of the ways that we're going to experience here in just a minute. Well, We'll experience as we as we look at what's going on around the world, um, but I want to just close up with these two quick things. Um, when persecution does come, and I fully expect it to, because I fully am experiencing you committed to prayer and you taking the gospel forth. So I, I expect the the presence of persecution to come, and when that comes, it's really important for us to know how to handle persecution. We we need to know when it comes, what are the ways to respond to it, because the enemy, when persecution comes, when pressure comes, would love for us to back up, would love for us to justify or to make excuses or to step back in our faith. But we know, right, the scriptures teach Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we, we put ourselves fully and engage ourselves fully in, in our faith. And so one of the things that we can do in order to better handle and recognize uh, this persecution is we need to count it as a privilege. To count it as a privilege when we're persecuted. Sounds crazy from a mindset that's not seeped in the good news of Jesus, but that's the truth. When persecution comes, when suffering comes, one of the greatest ways that we can respond to that is by counting it as a privilege. You say, well, where does that come from? Well, it comes from a lot of places, but uh, doesn't come, it comes really clearly from what Kyron read for us as, as he stood up here and brought the word to us. And I want to hit part of this again. It says, dear friends, do not be surprised at a fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God, it rests upon you. How encouraging. It is a privilege to be able to experience a persecution for a cause that's so much more important than what we see on the, on the level of, of our human eyes. And that's what, that's what Peter's talking about here. Um, and the second thing, the second thing that we, way we can handle persecution when we, can, when we recognize that it's coming our way, the second thing is we learn from each other in it. We learn from one another in it. And, and what does that mean? Well, that, that leads to the rest of, of, of what I'm about to show. And, 
And um, this is a picture, we've talked a little bit about kind of locally what persecution might look like, rejection, mean things being said. We know that the culture is trending um, to becoming more and more and more hostile towards our faith. And if if we just use our our, our our projections, you know, it's probably going to go, continue to get worse and worse and worse. And what that means, I don't know. I'm looking forward to count it more and more as a privilege. But we also get to learn from those that have gone before us. And so I want to show um, a, a clip that the missions committee thought would be good. Now, I want to say this is kind of a graphic clip. Um, and it was a little bit hard to watch at first, but I realized that um, this short little clip probably sanitizes the reality of what those who have counted the cost for their faith are experiencing even today.